Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Fungibility. It's been, well, a week. I say it every week. This week has been the week. There's been a number of, uh, well, I'd say concerning activities in the war happening in Ukraine and just want to just put a shout out to all those that are suffering through that uh, unfortunate, you know, situation. Um, we, I just want to make sure that uh, if you can do anything, you know, donate, you know, to UNICEF or other sort of crypto-based causes. You'll know that the folks at the Ukrainian government are actually accepting crypto-based payments, both in the form of NFTs as well as various cryptocurrencies. So if you've got a few extra uh, cryptos laying around, feel feel free to send it over to them. I, I think you can do a quick Google to find that address. Okay, so... The other major thing happening is the U.S. has come out with a set of guidelines that basically say they're looking to protect their consumers. These protections are intended to help foster, apparently, the broader exception uh, or accepting of cryptocurrencies within the U.S. And this includes things such as the protection of U.S. customers, investors, and businesses to protect the global financial stability. I think that sounds like some control of the market. I don't know. Uh, mitigate the illicit use of cryptos for things like drugs and other things that you probably don't want to think about. Um, but generally, the market reaction has been positive as far as I can tell. I can't say I've had a, a chance to really dig through a lot of these documents, but based purely on the price of Bitcoin and Ether and a few uh, privacy-minded cryptos, they seem to be doing well. So let's, let's hope that these policies will be uh, a net good thing for the market. You know, today we've got a really interesting uh, show lined up with uh, Max, who uh, will be joining us here in a moment. I'm looking forward to the discussion. And we're back with Maxim Goshen from the Gaia Gives or company organization. Really interesting project that I discovered recently, and I'm really excited to learn more about what you're doing. Welcome to the show. Yeah, pleasure meeting you, Robin, and um, happy to be here on Fundability. Yeah, it's 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 my pleasure. You know, this is an area that I'm particularly interested in. And over the last, you know, I don't want to sound too old, but over the last 20 years, <laughs> I've I've dabbled in a lot of sort of social entrepreneurship related activities. Yeah. And I, I, before the show started, I was telling you a little bit in regards to some of the work I did with the Ashoka Foundation, I think which are based in Washington on a site called Changemakers. And it was interesting because what you're doing is some, you know, the, the vision, which is 15 years old in terms of what I built, was <laughs> very similar. It was like, if you can, you know, l- let me simplify it to the the most basic bits. If you can teach someone to fish, they can feed them for life or something along those lines. And yeah. and you're and what you're doing is kind of adding a kind of web three tokenized approach to sort of this idea of social entrepreneurship. Is am I getting the general idea right? Yeah, absolutely. And you can pretty much say like your vision came to life <laughs> 20 years later or 15 years later. Um, so yeah, like the general idea around it is uh, preliminary um, fundraising aspects of really giving NGOs and donors all the different tools that they need um, to successfully fundraise, but then also really maximizing donations through DeFi, Web3 in the back end and um, bringing like radical transparency into the space. So making donors actually feel comfortable with their donations. Um, I mean, we have like Examples like the Red Cross raising half a million dollar, half a billion dollars for Haiti, um, building homes with that. And I guess, Robin, I mean, you know, probably uh, they built six homes with that in Haiti. So um, there's a lot of distrust in the space. And that's really what we're trying to tackle. And then the broader vision was actually like to create meaningful work alongside that. So I think that's much in alignment with um, Changemaker and your vision that you were actually trying to build there. 
Yeah, it, it seems that there's two general approaches. You've got things like Kiva, which I think are like sort of crowdfunded sort of loans for like yeah. causes you're, like you're into. And and then there are things like change makers, which was like empowerment, like giving someone yeah. a goat. And I'm not even kidding. It's like literally we yeah. we raised money to give some some family a goat and that would sustain them kind of sort of thing. You know, where do you sort of sit in that sort of spectrum? Yeah, we're, we're sitting in the spectrum. Let's try and give them two goats, a male and a female one, <laughs> so they can create <laughs> a living. So um, that's the general idea around it. I mean, Kiva is great, and I, I love that idea about uh, microfinancing and giving people access to capital. I think that's one of the major downfalls, um, particularly for, for third world countries and unbanked um, countries or citizens, um, which is also like another really interesting aspect to solve with Web3, um, reaching unbanked um, populations. Um, but we're sitting more on the philanthropy side. So like a lot of these issues are not solely um, resolved through, um, through, through giving financial aid, basically in the sense of like starting up your own business. Um, but a lot of it is looking after the tragedy of the comments you're probably familiar with. So looking after our comments, looking after our waterways, looking after our trees, etc. cetera. Um, now there's more and more financial like incentive to like reestablish these, but um, a lot of them still rely on philanthropy. And you're you're looking at sort of the intersection of, of sort of social and as well as environmental causes as well? Like, we, should... Yeah, we're working along the entire field of the SDGs. So the entire sustainable development goals. So looking after the waterways, looking after our like environment, looking also like our social um, systemic issues. So yeah. You know, one of the, the problems that we see a lot especially in, in sort of the, the sort of environmental impacts of, of blockchain technologies, mm -hmm. you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin probably being a, among the worst at this point, you know, yeah. is, is the sort of, you know, use of, of traditional energy sources, fossil fuels, carbon footprints, things like that. You know, how do you sort of addressing those particular, you know, problem points? Yeah, so for one, we are offsetting everything through the token protocol. Um, so all the... Um, Transactions essentially we're built on Polygon at the moment. We're considering set of those as we mentioned earlier as well, um, as they're already carbon neutral in um, design. Um, though we are setting essentially all our transaction costs through the carbon, uh, through the token protocol, which is an on-chain um, or bringing on uh, carbon credits on-chain. Um, so that will be all available on-chain as well. Um, on the other hand, though, as well, we are at a technological transfer, same with the merge of Ethereum. Um, that will move from stake of work to stake of uh, proof of stake. So therefore get much more energy efficient and I'm sure and very confident in the future, there's going to be more and more energy efficient uh, networks that are going to be um, sprouting. Well, as you know, we're big fans of the Celo Foundation and the Celo blockchain. Yeah. Yeah, and I think th I think this this particular episode, we're going to mint on the Celo uh, blockchain. <laughs> just, just, you know, seem, seems I, like... Seems, <laughs> I had my shovel and tree already ready, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it's, it seems like a no-brainer. I, I, and I'll be, uh, for any anyone in the Celo world, I'll be at the Celo Foundation uh, upcoming... I guess it's a conference happening in Barcelona mm -hmm. the first week nice. of April. So yeah, yeah. if anyone, if anyone's there, feel free to look. I me might up see you there actually. <laughs> oh yeah. Are you gonna have to eat Amsterdam after as well? No, I, I I can't stay away from the kids that long. You know, right. actually, my my uh, co-founder and partner in the business, uh, Brenda, uh, you know, and wife, uh, right. you know, uh, will ah, we'll be there. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be there <laughs> with me. So you know, any more than in a week, and the, the kids start getting a little worried. <laughs> Good family is good enough for you. Yeah, <laughs> family. Yeah. Key. 
Um, so, you know, let's, let's talk about the nuts and bolts of what you're building. So you've mm -hmm. got this idea. I, I see in your website, you're saying re give recurring crypto donations without gas, yes. which sounds well, great. Yeah. You know, so you're a new smart contract based sort yeah. of approach. Is that? Yeah. So essentially we're building bodyguards. So we're minimizing, um, gas fees and transaction costs and we are, um, we are putting, we're staking funds in the back end. So therefore we are completely taking care of the, any transaction costs essentially that are occurring throughout the entire payment pathway. So the donor as well as the NGO don't have to rely upon that. So that's our approach essentially in that regard. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're big fans of Polygon as well. I think we've yeah. minted close to uh, 250,000 NFTs on Polygon so far. Oh, well. <laughs> if, if, if you're uh, ever, yeah, if, if you're ever looking for, uh, you know, some in the, the do's and don'ts of Polygon, I'm probably yeah. your guy, uh, but, but it, it, it it is a great platform. You know, the team is really good. They're, they've been very supportive to us. They've covered, I yeah, think, most yeah. of our, our gas costs associated with this uh, oh, nice. podcast. So thank you yeah. to Pol the Polygon Foundation for <laughs> that. <laughs> that's, well, that's really great. Yeah, they're a really great team. Like Arjun and Hamza, like, they're doing really great work. And then like, also the entire ecosystem is just growing really massively in that regard. Um, also, though, like in the entire like refi, like regenerative finance kind of spectrum is like at the moment still um mainly on polygon though like some on cello or cosmos etc um sprouting out there um but i think also like the other one is like really unifying all these different projects and seeing like in which chain that we really want to base ourselves into so we become easily interchangeable so i think that's another key component especially in the kind of regenerative finance sector yeah it's, it's never been easier to sort of you know work across multiple blockchains with the sort of yeah. rise of DeFi and bridging and swaps and not that particular <laughs> order you know getting getting your crypto you know anywhere to whomever is is become quite quite a smooth sort of process <laughs> i think Robin, you're talking you're talking for yourself and like for me maybe too but um talk to my mom and she definitely has a different opinion of that we got so <laughs> and that's i think also like um one of the ambition with guy gives is like we really want to make it web to user friendly um so having all the web to benefits but really have a web to like user interface and experience being able to like on bridge um yeah a lot of, like of the public and the audience of these different ngos um into the web3 space um without having much of an understanding so we have like an easy fiat on ramp as well as off ramp to like reach the ngos and the different uh jurisdictions that they're in and um yeah but still have the web3 kind of benefits essentially of that um but yeah i think crypto still has a little bit of a way to go to get, like reach absolute mass adoption and accessibility i think that's the key component um i mean it got much easier than like seven years ago when i tried to set up my first wall it took me two days just to um, figure out how to set up a wallet in another two days to buy crypto. So uh, we've we've gone we've come a quantum leap, I think, in that regard since. <laughs> well, yeah, it's and I, in fairness, I sometimes forget, you know, how. Yeah, I I, I just celebrated my eleventh year of uh, my first Bitcoin buy. I bought bought my first yeah. Bitcoin in in twenty eleven, and. And it's you, like you still holding. Uh, no, no, I, I, I lost. I lost most of that to this Mount Gox outfit in Japan, oh, which okay. I, apparently I'm getting some of that back. I guess like if anyone listens to my podcast knows that I'm hoping to get some of that back, but it's it's been a a long drawn out process. Um, yeah. But it's it it is getting easier, you know for sure. You know it's, it, sure. it used to used to involve like actually doing you know a node in ethereum and hosting all the yeah. blockchain yourself and now you're, you you yeah. can like literally open metamask and you're done exactly. it's simple yeah absolutely and that's just becoming easier like now like looking at the market cap and the mass adoption also like through the last DeFi summer 
um, it's massively expanding ecosystem and with that also comes accessibility and ease of use um, because preliminary was obviously like a bit more of a nerdy topic and now it's just becoming mainstream and luckily also through NFTs like to be honest who would have thought NFTs is were pushed blockchain mainstream so thanks to NFTs <laughs> yeah. well yeah I, I guess I would have thought I you know this is, this is my second NFT company uh -huh. you know I've been I've been trying for a while you know it's I think I think NFT for me represents the sort of best bits of, of a tokenized sort of economy yeah. where you have sort of the representation of something as a token with the visual appeal of an image and the metadata that goes along with it so it's almost like all the missing pieces of an ERC20 style token now you can sort of have this sort of pseudo well you know tactile approach right I can see an yeah. image I can see a video I can listen to this particular podcast and if I'm programmatic in nature i can see the the metadata that underpins the token and yes. those are all the missing pieces of like an erc20 style token which was kind of just like a, a hash on a blockchain yeah yeah that's what i'm really curious about like I'm, what i'm really excited about is um, getting real life assets like for example look at a property look at a piece of land etc like all these different components and be, like creating much more liquidity and then also DeFi protocols essentially around that for be, to be able to like borrow much easier than at your bank against your property, et cetera, all these different calls, similar like the way it is already with the NFT space. Now that you can, like there's different products happening um, that you can borrow against your NFTs and suddenly have liquidity at your hands. So you don't need to run to the bank again, which is a really painful process usually. And um, we can actually like access it permissionless through DeFi. So I think that's a really, really exciting step about NFTs that I'm really, really curious to explore and like um, observe in the near future. Yeah, and, and one of the big stories that sort of emerged over the last uh, couple of weeks has been this sort of a lot of the, the sort of banking sanctions as a kind of weapon that that's being wielded yeah. to sort of affect, you know, yeah. people's access to, to wealth yeah. and capital and, and really the ability to just live in, in a world where where, you know, things like your visa card, you know, or, or not having access to it limits your ability to eat. And one of, one of the things that I saw that I found and I'm not. I'm not saying this in a way that hopefully stirs up any controversy, but you know, one of the things I found <laughs> a bit I of found, controversies, but I think <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I saw that I saw that MetaMask stopped stopped working for people in Venezuela and Russia and a few other places, and which which makes you wonder, like, how huh. decentralized is MetaMask? Is it really? When, yeah, when when hmm. you know consensus can go out there and basically block access to MetaMask, and therefore anybody in those countries no longer have the ability to use that particular wallet, you know. And yep. the the worst part is, in if there's a worst part, you know, the, once it's disabled, you if you weren't forward thinking enough to go and sort of make a backup of your private key you're locked out of your bank, you're locked out of your crypto for, mm. for good, unless you leave the country or something or try to use some kind of proxy system. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I think like particularly um, this again, basically hits the small man and not the actual government slash organizations or big companies that are exploiting these countries, et cetera. So um, in that sense, I don't think it's, it's much of a, a measure, basically. I think at the end of the day, basically people are suffering other citizens and like the general public. And um, yeah, really another good example of that was the GoFundMe campaign in uh, Canada, essentially, when Trudeau blocked $10 million, I believe, um, to the trackers and essentially started arresting, or not arresting, started freezing people's bank accounts in Canada, people that were giving donations to the GoFundMe campaign. So that's another aspect, essentially, that we're really like, um, keen on like, with our platform, like this is essentially not possible. So if the impact verification is done, it's decentralized, 
like preliminary for the first year is centralized um, just until we have enough users to do the decentralized verification. But then the users are essentially deciding on the donors, the token holders are deciding um, if the funding is being let go or not, or if there's a further verification needed, et cetera. Um, but I think these are realities basically, particularly with the governments and also looking at, for example, like being able to um, create um, programmable money. So that way, like Robin, I don't like you. I don't like your haircut. Um, you're only allowed to spend your money on um, groceries today. So these are all like um, actually possibilities. So I think it's really, really important to create to de decentralization basically to avoid any, yeah, any kind of conflict of interest, I'd say. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. This idea of a kleptocracy where you've got this sort of crew, this crew of cronies that, that exist, you know, at the upper echelon of a government, you know, I have no problem san <laughs> sanctioning the, the, those, those people. They're awful. They're evil. They, they exist totally. to, to, for their own sort of wealth, right? And then yeah. you've got everybody else that suffers because these guys are, are evil and, and moronic in the way they operate. And, and you can't help but feel bad for these sort of average individual in these places that now have no ability to feed themselves, pay, pay for their, the necessities exactly. of life because their leader is, is awful. And exactly. I, I can, and, and, and while we're on the topic of Canada, I'm in Toronto, um, you know, the, the, yeah, the, that the using the banking system as a weapon for yeah. the, the, to, uh, to sort of, you know, again, don't want to create any controversies here, but I'm going to say it anyway, for the yeah. control of the masses seems yeah. counter, <laughs> counter to everything a government is supposed to do. When you start yeah. using pri private industry to sort of say, you know, I'm, I'm going to use this, you know, if you've ever worked with a, or, or tried to do any kind of online banking or call your bank in Canada, it's mm. awful. Now mm. they're in charge of, of reprimanding people for doing things that are not you know, appropriate by the Canadian government's standards seems just absolutely insane to me. Like, you know, I mean, not only can I can't even get a hold of them to like update my mortgage, let alone, you know, trying to figure out I was put on some random list, which I wasn't, but I could imagine that if I was, it would have been a nightmare to try to get off it. That was an absolute nightmare. I mean, like I know somebody like over a, like a, a good friends, his sister basically um, donated to the campaign, got caught into the office by the bank, the police were sitting there basically it's a small village and um she knew the bank officer was like uh well not a friend but like they knew each other well and um they just wouldn't release her funds so they wouldn't they weren't able to tell her anything so i mean it's it's like literally weaponizing essentially like our financial system and um that against civilians and that's um yeah concerning i would say to say the least so um, I was just in that moment right in Eve Denver, so <laughs> all of us got very motivated <laughs> to move and develop a little bit quicker. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you say this is going to be sort of fully de decentralized over the next year, are you moving to yeah. sort of a DAO sort of structure? Yeah. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, um, we're going to create um, like a complete DAO, and um, so the entire governance of the platform, obviously, in the development and all the different actions. To, um, um, under that had uh, obviously governed by the DAO, but then on the platform itself as well, the users are going to be able to approve projects onto the platform and um, as well as do the impact verification. So we have essentially, the way we have it organized on the platform is organizations that are broken down into projects and then into milestones with metrics, budgets, impact verification, et cetera, attached to it. And then just creating more accountability really on the NGO side and also more trust for the donors. 
And then each milestone essentially is getting unlocked. The first one is given on, on trust because obviously they need the first funds to actually implement the work. But then the next one, basically, they have to supply proof of work. And there's also like a mitigation process, basically, in case so they can request more information, et cetera, um, as needed. But then at the end of the day, basically, the donors are the ones responsible to actually unlock the next um, batch of funding. Oh, it's really, that's, it seems like a really good structure for this. You know, there's a, a number of projects that have popped up recently that I've been sort of exploring in this space. One in particular I've looked at recently is called um, Space Protocol, which is okay. also in the, in the structure of a DAO. And, and they've done some really innovative work in this space to sort of provide a mechanism to create a kind of cash generating royalty structure ar around mm -hmm. some of the things that you're describing. Um, it, it's, so you mentioned it's, this. It's uh, it's still, you know, it, like most of the, the coolest ideas in the space. Yeah. As far as I can tell, it's predominantly a white paper. Um, mm -hmm. but con conceptually, it looks really cool. I'm, I'm actually hoping to get these guys on an upcoming podcast to sort of yeah. take a little bit of a deeper dive into what they're doing. But there's so so much innovation happening in the space, and it's just amazing to to see this kind of you know blossom of of opportunity and and you know and people just really pushing the limits of what can be can be done absolutely yeah and it's funny that you mentioned that um i mean just look at a couple of statistics and then i i tell you what we're working around that um these days already 50 percent of all donations come through social media and um per individual um share you bring in around 17 dollars of donations and then on the other hand you have ngos spending 35 cents on average on every dollar on raising the next dollar so that's humongous um fundraising costs and um now look into like Gen Sat, Millennials, and the amount of social capital that they actually have and really creating like an integrated affiliate marketing network around that. And that's our ambition with Guy Gives um, to be able to really like reward these people to go out there, share basically about their favorite projects, um, fundraise also for Instagrammers and co or like influencers and co um, to use their networks for something good and get what get real life tokens and um, as rewards, like gamify the experience, NFTs, et cetera, bonus level NFTs. And really like create a like nice gamification model around that and slash fundraising costs. So we want to have more impact and less money going towards the marketing agencies and co. And um, whether see more uh, trees planted or wells installed or um, kids educated. So yeah. Well, I love the concept. I think what you're working on is groundbreaking, and I I hope that some of our uh, listeners can take a closer look. And if you're not familiar with our podcast, if you go to fungibility.co, you'll see the widget on the left-hand side. Every episode has a series of tasks and actions that you can sort of participate in to learn more about the episode and some of the things that we've discussed. You'll get points for actually participating in those activities. Those points can then be redeemed for the actual NFT, which I mentioned before will be actually minted on the cello blockchain this week and a new feature coming hopefully by the time this particular podcast hits hits the uh website you'll be actually be able to take your nfts and points and export those to, to your metamask or wallet connect can relate wallet and do whatever you want with them outside of our platform hopefully that's live by the time this goes otherwise it'll be shortly after um where can our listeners learn more about what you're doing if they want to check you out on social media or your website yeah, absolutely. Check out Gaia.gives and actually we are um, creating an award pool, like an NFT reward um, there with them as well. So um, in the same ecosystem already there. 
Um, so really excited for that and um, join and share with your friends and um, join us and get ready for launch. Well, Maxim, it's been a it's been a true pleasure having you on today. I, it sounds like you're in Costa Rica, which is a lot nicer <laughs> than Toronto this time of year, which is I think about <laughs> It's it's a it's a balmy two degrees here. I'm sure it's a lot nicer there. Oh, really? Pura yeah. vida. Yeah, mi casa, zu casa. If you make it down here, let me know. You're <laughs> um, welcome. If you need a little break, <laughs> get some sunshine. All right. Until next time, this is Fungibility well, and your host, Roof. Pleasure talking. <laughs>